Uh, we're going to read actually uh, verses 1 through 6, and uh, we're starting a series um, entitled uh, Having Problems with Your Microphone. No, not, not the title. Uh, entitled Red Letters, and uh, we're going to start that series today. And can someone have a mic ready for me just in case this thing continues to do that? Uh, we're going to start that series today, but I want to make a few statements as we get into it. Um, and, and I want to make this statement right up front. We are not saying by this series that the red letters in the Bible are the most important statements or the only statements that we should pay attention to. Okay? Um, I know there actually is uh, some movements out there uh, that they give uh, you know, a lot of focus to that and they live by only that. Uh, that is not Canvas Church. We are not saying that. Uh, what we're doing by doing the Red Letters series, uh, it's no different than if we were doing a, a series in the book of 1 Corinthians. We would obviously be covering 1 Corinthians. We're not saying that 1 Corinthians is the most important book or the only book. Uh, what we're doing is we're doing a study in that. Or if we were doing a character study on the life of Paul, uh, we're not saying that Paul is the most important character. Although Paul was bad, wasn't he? Come on, he did some stuff. And so, uh, but we're not saying, you know, that he is the only uh, important person in the Bible. So by diving in uh, over the next several weeks and looking at the red letters, I am not saying that this is the only thing to give attention to. As a matter of fact, we believe that the Bible in its entirety is inspired of God. From Genesis to Revelation, every word that's written in it is plenarily, verbally inspired by God, which simply means this, that every word that's in there was chosen by God as he breathed through man and they wrote it down. Uh, it's really a supernatural book. Um, written over about the course of 1,600 years um, with, you know, 66 different books of the Bible, 40 different authors, three different languages, but yet as you read it, it's completely consistent from beginning to end. How is that possible? Because the Holy Spirit overshadowed the whole event, all right? And so we are not saying that the red letters are the only thing. We're saying this, that that's what we're studying over the next couple weeks. As a matter of fact, as you begin to study Jesus and his life and the words he spoke, he made this statement. He said, I only do what I hear and say the Father do, all right? And so if Jesus is doing it, you can be assured that God approved of it, amen? And so uh, that's what we're going to be doing over the next couple weeks. Red letters, just let me give you a little history behind it, if I could. Uh, the first red letter edition Bible uh, was printed in 1901, and it became very popular. Uh, it was, it, it, the guy that came up with it, he was the editor of the Christian Herald at the time, and it, just this idea, as he was reading through the book of Luke, this idea popped into his, his mind when he was reading about, this is the new covenant, and, and in my blood, it's the whole, whole uh, table scene, the last supper, where he's talking to his disciples and talking about the new covenant, exchanging the bread and the wine, talking about what's going to take place with him. Uh, in that moment, this editor just got this thought, what if we took the, 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 the words of Jesus and we put them in red? rather than just having quotations around them. And so this whole idea spawned forth, and therefore we have red letter. How many guys out there have a red letter edition Bible? Okay, maybe a red letter edition phone, iPhone, smartphone, okay? You know, and so it's pretty popular. It's really just simply a way to highlight the words of Jesus. John chapter 14, starting in verse 1, there are seven I am statements that Jesus makes in the book of John. We're going to read the sixth one that he makes here in chapter 14. And we're going to look at that today, and I, I pray it ministers to you. John is a unique gospel um, out of all the gospels because where most of the gospels focus on Jesus' Galilean ministry, John focuses more on his Judean ministry. And, uh, and literally the whole entire book uh, really comprises about the last 21 days of his life, uh, the last 10 chapters talking about the last week of his life. And so here we go. John chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. 
You can say amen right there. Believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your, how many guys think that would be a great slogan for 2013, okay? No matter what you face, no matter what you go through this year, that you could hear those words over and over, let not your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, speaking to the guys that he's hung out with for the last three and a half years. If I could set the scene for you, it's literally at the table and the last supper is is, is taking place and they're talking with with one another and and, and through the course of, of, of conversation Jesus begins to reveal to them that I'm going to die it's time and this is taking place literally the night before everything starts with his crucifixion and so he begins to tell them hey guys this is what's going to take place now they've been walking with Jesus for three and a half years how many think that this would be troubling just a little bit okay I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. By the way, I'm not going to be with you any longer. What you see right here in the flesh, it's not going to be here anymore, okay? Uh, we're not going to be chilling with each other like we are right now. You know, your head's not going to be laying on my shoulder, okay? And he just got done modeling for all the disciples his style of leadership. It's pretty cool if you go back to the last chapter. He models servant leadership as he washes all the feet of the disciples. Pretty cool. And then he begins to talk about that he's leaving. But he modeled to them first, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go seek and save. I want you to serve other people. And as you serve other people, they're going to come to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Not only did he say he was going to go away, but he actually looked at him and said, by the way, one of you is a backstabber. He didn't use those words quite. He said, one of you is going to betray me. Okay? I mean, I, you know, and I'm sure they all had their thought on who that was, the person they didn't like, right? Okay. And one of you is going to, so here they are. He sets the scene. This is how you're going to serve when I leave, okay? But by the way, I am leaving, and by the way, one of you is going to stab me in the back. But not only that, Peter begins to talk about, well, it's not me. I'm not going to betray you. As a matter of fact, wherever you go, I'm going to go. And, and Jesus says, sorry, uh, Peter, you can't go with me on this one. Where I'm going, you can't go, but, but afterwards, then you'll be able to go, speaking, speaking of heaven later on. But where I'm going now, you, you, can't, you can't do what I'm about to do. And Peter makes this statement, says, oh, no, no, you, you got it wrong. Uh, even if you, you die, I'll, I'll die with you. Huh. Prophesying over his own life. Read about Peter and you'll find out some things. And, and, Peter sa and Jesus says, um, no, actually, Peter, you're going to deny me. In, in, in front of people. This is how you serve. By the way, I'm going to die. I'll be with you no longer. One of you is a traitor, and you're going to deny me. This is the scene. Let not your hearts be troubled. All right. Think about that one for a moment, right? See, a lot of us, when we face trouble today, we don't have that frame of reference. We, we get troubled, come on, because our hair gel ran out. Come on, somebody. Be honest with me. You're getting ready in the morning, and all of a sudden you realize your hair product. Come on, ladies. I've seen my wife when her makeup runs out. Come on now. And you think that's, that's trouble. These guys are troubled. They're confused. They're anxious. They're nervous. They're, they're upset. They're looking at one another. Well, which one's going to betray him? I, I knew Peter. He talks too much. Yeah, yeah Peter, you're going to deny him. Let not... Your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, look, guys, 
don't be troubled because even though you're not going to see me anymore, you don't see God either, but yet you believe in him. So just because I'm not going to be here in my physical state doesn't mean you have to stop believing in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Amen. And you know the way where I am going. And then Thomas. How many of you guys are thankful for Thomas? Another, uh, you know, becomes known as Doubting. And Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says to him the sixth I am statement of the Gospel of John. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Red letters, in quotes, Jesus speaking, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God, I pray now that you would help me teach the word. I pray that you would anoint, God, this vessel to communicate uh, in this place, in that every heart would be open to receive. God, we thank you that it's the implanted word with, that, that's received in meekness that's able to transform a soul. So God, I pray right now, Lord, that every distraction, God, I pray they would cuddle up with one another and warm up right now. Come on, single person, take this opportunity. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Let not your hearts be troubled. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Have you ever found yourself in a troubling place before? Or am I the only one? Okay. You ever found you, yourself in that place where, where you're so troubled that, that maybe you begin to question what you believe? Maybe you begin to question the path that you're on. Maybe you begin to question relationships and friendships. There's anxiety that, that begins to happen. Maybe there's a little anger that causes some resentment. Something happened to you. Something happened around you. Somebody caused something to happen in your life, and now you are troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I remember back when I was in college, uh, which actually seems like a long time ago now, but I remember back when I was in college and I was a basketball player. I, I like to think I still is a basketball player, and I play every Monday night, and we got some guys on a team, and come on, we're going to the playoffs Monday night. Come on, somebody. I mean, everybody in the league gets to go, but we're going to the playoffs. Okay, there's eight teams, and all eight teams make it in. We came in four, so it's, you know, not horrible. And I, I like to play basketball. There's one thing I realize, though, is, is as you get older, notice I didn't say as you get old, but as you get older, your mind thinks you can still do some things that your body just won't do. Are you with me? Like, I actually still think I can run up a basketball court. And I see myself doing it, but it's not happening. Are you with me? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. 
And so I played basketball in college, and I was playing at a, a smaller college in, in Seattle, Washington, and I got recruited by Eastern Oregon State. So I made some uh, trips out to Eastern Oregon State, and in this season of my life, um, I, I wasn't giving God my best. I wasn't giving God my all. Uh, I, I was definitely saved, and I believed in Jesus, but I, I wasn't really putting him in first place in my life. And so I make the decision to go to Eastern Oregon State to attend this university um, out of this, this kind of fog and haze, if you could put it that way. Now, this looks good. It feels good. And so I'm just going to do it. And I make some recruiting trips out there. And the coach likes me. I like him. And, and so we start this relational process. And sure enough, I end out there as soon as school starts in September. So I'm out there, and, and I'm, I'm playing basketball. And I'm, a coach hooked me up with some really responsible basketball players, as if there is such a thing especially in the NBA. Come on, somebody. So coach hooked me up with some responsible basketball players on the team, and we move into this place. I meet all the guys, and, and then I, I think my parents were still there at the time. I head out to dinner with my parents, and I come back, and some of my stuff is missing. Mm -hmm. Those guys, right. And so I'm living here, and it's a small town, La Grande, Oregon. Anybody ever heard of La Grande, Oregon? Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, it's a small Small town, like when, the, when college is in, the place is packed. When college is, is out, it's like the president of the college and his wife, and that's it, right? Small town. But I get out there, we find a place to live, and we start basketball practices. Uh, classes start, and so I'm starting my classes, and man, I, I'm not really feeling at home. I'm not really feeling that great about my decision, but uh, one of my things in life is that if I started something, I'm going to finish it, Okay. And so, man, I'm determined. I'm not enjoying it, but I'm not really enjoying my roommates. They stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, come on, drinking old English, 40s. I know some of you out there know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Pour some out for your homies. Come on, you know what I'm talking about right now, okay? They're drinking 40s of OE, and they're, they're playing dominoes till 2 in the morning. Now, now, basketball players, when they play dominoes, they don't just slide it across. See, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? They take in there. Slap it down on the table. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I talking? Five of you. Okay. We'll change the conversation. All right. And so I'm not getting any sleep, and I got to get up early for classes and, and whatnot. So I, I remember I get up this one. I finally got to sleep like at 3 a.m. because they were so loud. And, and I wake up, and uh, I go in. I'm going to take my shower. I have like a, like a 7.30 class. I go in. I'm going to take my shower, and I walk in, and I walk into the bathroom, and there is vomit everywhere. Yeah, you feel my pain. It's everywhere, and I go, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, and so I'm tiptoeing around this stuff. True story. Maybe a little bit embellished, but true. And I'm tiptoeing around it, and, and I get through, and I, and, I, and I go to open up the shower, but now the, the shower thing is broken off, and the thing's laying, and I look inside, and the shower's just full of vomit. Yeah. And I'm so irritated, so I said, forget it. I'll make it through the day, all right? So I go back in, put on some fresh clothes, and put on a hat because the dew wasn't looking too good. And I head to class. And I'm in classes all day. I come back from class to get ready for basketball practice, and I walk up to the door. And on the door, there is a, an eviction notice. We hadn't been there for like three weeks. There's an eviction notice. Move out by tomorrow. Now, I, I know that some of you would say, yeah, but you have like 90 days. No, not in LeGrand. Dude would show up with a shotgun. In the grand, okay. And so eviction, you got to be out by the morning. I'm like, I call coach. I'm like, coach, we just got kicked out. And he's like, well, what are you doing over there, Ben? And I'm like, I'm not doing nothing. It's the people you hooked me up with. 
And so he says, oh, you won't have a hard time finding a place. Matter of fact, here's three places to go check out, okay? Now, like I told you, when college is in, it's, it's packed. When college is out, there's two people. So I go and I look for a, a place that I'm going, going to live. And, and I look at a couple that just aren't working. It's like, you need to share this room with my cats. And she's a cat hoarder, okay? I'm not, that's not happening. I'm not going to do that. So I show up to this last place, and I'm praying, and, and literally now, I'm literally starting to contemplate, and I've never done this. I usually always finish what I've started, but I'm in, in my mindset of, like, I can't do this. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, and so I show up, and I pull up, and I pull up to this place, and it is awesome. There's broken down cars everywhere. There's a Harley parked on the porch, which was probably the most expensive item in the whole entire place. And so I go, and I knock on the door. And this big biker dude shows up. I mean, I'm 6'6", but at the time I was like, a, like, like 215, so I was skinny. I know I look muscular now, but back then I was skinny. And, I, and so I show up, and I knock on the door, and I'm thinking, you know, some little guy's going to come out. And I, the door opens, I'm like, oh, can I help you, son? No. You don't want to cheer to see the room? Right of the way. It's a true story. So I'm literally like hoping he leaves the door open, right? I'm hoping that when I turn around, there's not like seven locks on the front door, right? So I'm walking in, I'm following him, and he goes, your room's right over here. He opens this door about this wide in the kitchen. I'm thinking, I'm going to live in a pantry. <laughs> and he opens the door, and he goes, right there. And I look, and there's these concrete stairs going down a hallway about this big. He goes, you just have to walk halfway down, feel your way around, and pull the string, and the light will come on. I'm like, uh-uh. What is going to happen? <laughs> I said, you pull the light on. <laughs> and so I worked up enough courage, and I walked down there, and I'm thinking, God, please don't let him shut the door. Please don't let him kill me. It's a true story. And I pull it, and it's like the size of this carpet. Let not your hearts be troubled. And in that moment, I find myself wrestling with so many things. I had so many questions, and, and I thought, God, you had brought me out here, even though maybe I wasn't walking the way I should have walked with you at the time. And, and God, I thought things were going to be different, but, but now I lost this place to live, and I, I ain't living here. And, and so I had to go and have a conversation with my coach, and I said, Coach, it's not working out. And I remember that night I called my parents, and I talked to my parents on the phone, and they prayed with me. And I got off the phone with him, and I opened my Bible in John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. I am the way, the truth, the life. And I remember lying in my bed, and I started to weep, asking these questions. God, what am I following? What am I believing? And what life am I living? I pack up my stuff, and I head back to Woodby Island, Washington. My dad meets me. I remember, I still remember, I pull up. He comes walking out of the front door, and he meets me. And he wraps his arms around me, and he hugs me, and he starts crying. And I said, Dad, what's going on? And he said, Ben, I was praying for you this whole entire time you were gone. 
and I had a hard time with you being so far away. And finally, I came to this conclusion, and I told God in my prayer time that it's not that far away. He said, and the Holy Spirit said this to me and said, no, it's an eternity away. He said, Ben, if you were to stay there, I believe that you would have gone down a path that would have took you away from what God intended for your life. And it was at that moment that everything began to change for me. It was at that moment God spoke through the pages of John 14, 1 through 6, let not your heart be troubled. And it spoke to me. And I believe it's speaking to somebody here today. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let me just share with you a few thoughts before we wrap up this morning. When Jesus makes this statement, the scene is set, their hearts are troubled. But when he's asked the question, we don't know the way, he not only answers, I am the way, he says, I'm also the truth and I'm also the lie. I am the way to truth and I am the way to lie. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He, at that moment, begins to answer probably the question that everyone has as they go through this journey called life. Everyone on their journey through life wants to know and wants to have a path to follow. Every single person in this room wants that direction. But not only that, every single person sitting here today would, 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 would maybe not make this statement out loud, but would think in their heart that what is truth? I want to find something to believe in. I want a path to follow. I want, I want truth to believe in. Why ultimately leading to life? life? I am the way, the truth, the life, but I love what John 10.10 10 says. He says this, that Jesus came, that you might have life, and that you might have that life more abundantly. How do we find that more abundant life? As we continue to follow Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, he addresses disciples, what are you living for? I've been with you for three and a half years. I believe that at this time, Jesus would have liked to think that Thomas knew the way. I believe that. I believe that Jesus would have liked to think that, that, that man, I've been with you guys for three and a half years. A matter of fact, when, when, when the hours come, he's out praying. And he goes back to see if the rest of them are praying. And they're not praying. And he gets upset with them. He's like, What's wrong with you people? You can't even pray for one hour. I'm about to die, and you're sleeping. I believe that Jesus is probably a little bit like, guys, come on. Thomas, you doubter. So he just uses that moment to say, look, I'm the way. And just in case you missed it, I'm the truth. And in case you missed it, all life, it, it comes through me. I'm the way, the truth, the life. He uses this moment to answer this question. What is truth? Jesus. Where do I find life? Jesus. How do I get there? Jesus. Let's wrap it up. He not only does that, though, what he does is he takes a moment to literally begin to calm their hearts. If you actually look at verse 1 in its intended format, it sounds more like this. Knock it off. 
Stop being troubled. You have no reason to be troubled. I mean, I know we'd like to think of Jesus as always the one that comes along and, and is like, it's going to be okay. You can do it. But sometimes Jesus is the guy that says, hey, knock it off. What is wrong with you? Stop being troubled. I'm still here, number one. Number two, even if I go, it's okay because I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit, who will lead you and guide you in all truth. What's truth? I am. So stop being troubled. Knock it off. Don't let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. Did they have reason to be troubled? Yes. But Jesus is saying, even as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you, 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 you don't need to worry about this. You don't. Why? Because I'm with you. I got you. And can I tell you something? I needed to hear those words at the age of eight, uh, 19 in La Grande, Oregon. I needed to hear those words that he had me because my heart was troubled. It's amazing, though, when you start to have your heart troubled, how you begin to lose focus. How you begin to lose focus on what God has for your life. When that anxiety comes, when, when, when that resentment and questions and what's happening, and you lose focus, and now, matter of fact, real simple, probably shouldn't have been troubled, but, and maybe some of you can relate to this. Last week here was awesome, but it was cold. Much colder than it is today. Wimps. We'll be talking one day, oh yeah, well back in the old days, man, it was like a freezer in there. The school district assured me that the heat would make you sweat today. Let me know if that happens. <laughs> but I mean, that happens. So this week we're getting things ready. And, and I come in with my wife, and we're going to set up these, these little trust TV stands, right? And so we, we go to set up these trust TV stands. And I, and, I, and I don't know if anybody's noticed this yet, and probably I'll point it out anyway. But th there's this backside here, and the little peg that holds it to the base isn't all the way in. And so me and my wife are here, and I got this hammer, and I'm just like, whack, whack. And I'm like, why isn't it going in? So then I go to the next one. Oh, let's try this one. Whack. Whack, and I'm hammering these things in, and two of them now aren't going in. And I'm like, what's going on? And so I decide to pull out the little thing inside, and I pull it, and I'm like, oh, it's backwards. <laughs> and so we put the other two in right, and I'm like, we'll just take these out, and we can't get them out, because that's how big my guns are. Just, <laughs> we can't get it out. And so literally, she's holding on it on one side, and I've got these little pliers, and I'm pulling, and I'm pulling, and I'm like, oh, man. And then I, you, can, you can verify this with my wife. I start literally talking to myself like, I'm such an idiot. Man, I, and then it goes from, man, I, I'm always doing stuff like this. Like I'm always whacking big pegs in small holes, I guess. But I'm like, and I literally start talking about, man, I, man, I never do anything right. Man, it was probably cold last week because I was there and God hates me. Man, I mean, nobody's even going to come next week. And, man, why do we even have it? I'm going to go over there and rip the billboards down and I'm never, I, I'm done. See, Ray, I do get like that. Now, I know, can, can somebody please be honest with me? Okay, because if you lie, lightning will strike you in church and you'll die. But how many of you know what I'm talking about and you do that sometimes? If your hand ain't raised, you better look out. Okay, right? And I'm like, and all of a sudden, I feel, I kid you not, 
I'm driving home, and I didn't share this with my wife because she likes to laugh at me every now and then. And I'm driving home, and I feel like God is laughing at me. I'm like, God, what's so funny? He said, you are? I said, why? He goes, do you remember what just took place on stage? I'm like, yes. Because that's what I'm laughing about. <laughs> ben, you're going to preach about not letting your heart be troubled, and you allow a little tiny inanimate object to upset you. So then I got mad at God. But what about you in 2013? What about you right now? Is there something that literally has you troubled? To the point where you lose focus. To the point where I don't, I don't know the path I'm supposed to walk on. I don't know the direction I'm supposed to go. Because when that happens, our focus gets lost. And so Jesus comes in and says, hold on a second. Woohoo! Over here. I mean, think about him. They're looking for who the one that's going to betray him. They're, they're thinking about Peter who's going to deny him. They're probably thinking about themselves like, man, what are we going to do with this? And Jesus is like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right here. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's like if you've ever been lost before, right? And this is obviously before the day of smartphones, but you've ever been lost before. Siri, where's home? You've ever been lost before, and you don't know where you're at, and you think to yourself, if I can just get back to that one road, then I'll know. I might, I might have to drive 15 miles the opposite direction, but I know if I can get to that road, then I can find my way back. I mean, I might have to go backwards a couple steps and over this way, but I know if I can get to that road, then I, okay, I, I see the pathway now. Now I know where I'm headed. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the way, the truth, the life. You lost focus. Here, here I am. Okay, let's get moving now. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Don't let your heart, what's troubling you today? Well, what's got you anxious today? Jesus says, hey, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but let the peace of God that surpasses all human comprehension guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You lost focus? Right here, on the way, the truth, and the life. But more than what Jesus was saying Jesus was making a statement of exclusivity, and he was saying, hey, this thing's about to wrap up. And I know there's a lot of talk out there about how you get to heaven, a lot of talk out there about how you get to the Father, a lot of, a lot of things. As a matter of fact, there was a segment of Christianity called The Way, and what they did is they based everything on their ability to perform, they based everything on their ability to, to do, do the right thing and not the, the wrong thing. And Jesus says, hey, guys, I've got, to, I've got to tell you something before I go. There is no other way to God the Father. There is no other way to eternal life except through me. Except through me. I just, I just need you to know that. I need you to know that the I, Jesus, am the only way, the only truth, and the only life. It's through me. Now, he wasn't saying it like a rude New Yorker. Come on, somebody. And if I offended you, get over it. He wasn't saying it like a bartender at, or, a, or a bouncer at some club. 
I wouldn't know what those guys are like, but some of you do. He wasn't saying it like, hey, you, you can't get in there unless you get through me. Let me see some ID. He was saying this, hey, guys, I want you to come, and I want you to be with my father. That's why I'm going before you to prepare the place. It's going to be awesome. And when I return, I'm hooking you up with a room. It's going to be awesome. And I'm going and I'm cleaning it up and making it just, it's going to be spectacular. And I'm the way there and I'm inviting you to come with me. But there is no other way. You can't get there through any other person. But the God-man Jesus, I, Jesus, am the way, the truth, and the life. And he silences all the other opinions, all the other questions. He says, no, it's, it's, it's about me. It's about me. He silences it. I, I don't know what, what your, your, your background is like. I don't know what kind of... Uh, background you came from, whether it's another church, denomination, whatever. But some of the denominations I've been a part of in the past, I felt at times that there was a lot of things I had to do in order to be acceptable to Jesus. And I know they were well-meaning people, but yet they sounded a lot like the Pharisees of old. I know they were well-meaning people. They just didn't want me to go down that path because if I went down that path, something bad might happen. And so they would set up an extra little fence that said, hey, don't, don't cross over that line because if you do and you're over there, then you might end up in a bad place. And so they scared me into Jesus. Come on, somebody. Okay, right? Maybe you came from that. Maybe you came from that. I, just a real simple example is this. I came from a movement that, that, that if you ever had the thought of alcohol, you're probably going to hell. Rubbing alcohol even? No, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so this is what they said. You know, the Bible says that, that drunkenness is a sin. And so what they do is they say, well, if drunkenness is a sin, and the only way you can get drunk is by drinking alcohol, maybe what we should do is we should set up this extra line right here that says alcohol is a sin. And so then they set up that, that barrier, and that's the barrier they begin to live by. Simple example. Hopefully you're tracking with me. And so now you, you all of a sudden you're, at, you're hanging out, and someone offers you a glass of wine. You're like, oh. But, but the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says drunkenness is a sin. The, 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 be honest with you, the real sin, it wasn't even getting to the drunken state. The real sin was lack of self-control. If we want to preach the Bible correctly. Because there's a whole lot of fences we could put up then. Oh, come on, somebody preaching now. And we come from this religious background, and so we walk in this fear of like, okay, I can't. Jesus is saying this, hey, forget about what all of them said. What does my word say? I am the way, the truth, the life. 
As much as I would like to say that, man, Canvas Church, man, we got this thing figured out. We don't know what we're doing. When it comes to this, can we, oh man, this looks great, and wow, they got the lights and all that stuff, but can I, can I tell you something? I am daily working out my own salvation with fear and trembling. I am daily exercising myself toward godliness. And the minute I say I got this thing figured out, ladies, you better leave. I'm working through this. I'm still tearing down fences that, that people have put up and some of the fences I've put up in order to discover Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Yes. He makes this statement and said, man, all that other, just, just what does the word say? What does scripture say? How many of you guys give me five more minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. Okay, 40 more minutes, we're out of here. We're wrapping it up, we're wrapping it up. He makes a statement of exclusivity and he says, man, I'm the way. No other teaching. Listen to me, there's a whole lot of great churches in San Diego preaching the gospel. Just like, just like I believe Canvas is one of those. A whole lot of great churches. But sometimes we as leaders and as denominations have a way of putting up some things. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you believe that, say amen. He says, guys, look at me. Look at me. Well, Jesus, you're going to be gone, though. How do, how do I look at you? John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God. Drop down in that chapter. And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. How do I follow Jesus? The Word. Jesus is the only way. To the only truth, to the only life. The problem is this, ladies and gentlemen, is that a lot of us, when we read the Bible, we read the Bible all about us. We read the Bible for us. We try to find ourselves in the pages of the Bible. And we insert Ben Brinkman into the pages of the Bible. And so we, 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 we go to a story like David and Goliath and we say, oh, man, I'm going to be like David and I'm going to be a giant slayer. And, and, what, and we begin to read ourselves into the pages of the, as if the Bible was about us. And we begin to read it and I'm, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like, man, I'm going to be like Daniel in the lion's den. I'm going to be like, I'm going to be like Abram. No, I'm going to be a Joseph, man, and I'm going to, man, I'm going to, I'm going to sit on a throne, and I'm going to lead the people, man. It's going to be, I'm going to be like Moses, man, leading the people out, and Joshua leading the people in. And, man, we read ourselves into the text. But see, if we're really going to read ourselves into the text, it's got to be completely different. Man, every single one of us would like to be David with the slingshot taking out giants. Right? Come on. Does that not sound awesome or what? I want to be like, I want to pick five stones, but only have to use one. 
But if we read the text accurately, we are not David in the story. We are more like the scared, fearful Israelites in the corner. We're going to die. There's a giant. What's going to happen? Over. Man, I I thought we were God's chosen people, but man, what's taking place? What's going to happen? And then Jesus shows up in the text in David. Then Jesus shows up in the text as Daniel in the lion's den. Then Jesus shows up in the text as Moses leading out. Then Jesus shows up in the text as Joshua leading in. You can't take any giants out. That's why Jesus Christ came and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to him except through isn't that what the book of Hebrews is all about isn't that what it's about that Jesus is the better of all of the Old Testament this book is about Jesus and when you look to Jesus the way then you begin to find the truth and there you begin to discover your life in his presence. God, we thank you for your word today.